What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Creating Wealth Podcast, where I, Kyle, from Kyle Curtin Real Estate, interview local top dogs in the real estate investing, wealth building, and personal finance industries. Let's build together. What's up, guys? In the second part of this episode, there is a ton of really valuable info for anyone looking to get into the short-term rental and Airbnb slash Verbo space. Jason shares his unbelievable stories and valuable tips from his experiences purchasing and running his multiple Airbnb properties, especially through the waves of the pandemic. Jason's story was extremely interesting to listen to, and in our chat, we explore how he acquired his first property, learning how to manage it and solve some intense problems that came up, and how he was forced to adapt to a surprise pandemic. There are lots of very valuable principles in this episode, and I hope you enjoy. Let's jump right into the episode. So the next question, we already kind of got into a little bit, you know, kind of like the story of your first property. Um, were there any like big kind of lessons that that you learned from it? I know there was like a couple things that, that we talked about, mm-hmm. but any really from, big ones? From the first property specifically? Uh yeah, sure. <laughs> or yeah, so that, so, so well, let, you want me to do the first rental or the first um, like my, the first vacation rental, the one in New Hampshire that we're even talking about. Um, it's up to you. <laughs> okay, so yeah, let's stick with that one. Um, you know, trust your gut. Like, if your gut's right, it's probably right. All right. Um, I trusted my gut in a couple situations. I was like, property's been on the market for a couple months. They've lowered the price once. I'm going to go in with a low offer. They're not going to like it but that's my offer. They didn't like it, but they countered. And I'm like, if you're going to counter, I know you're not going to like it, but you're countering. So guess what? Like there's a conversation happening right here. And, you know, I got the property, um, you know, for close to what I want to offer. I tend to offer really weird numbers on a property because I want it to feel as though I did a lot of due diligence on it. So I'll kind of get a, I won't just offer $500,000 right? I'd rather offer 501,625 or yeah. I'd rather not offer 499, you know, 875. Cause I want to see the five, but yeah. I want it to feel as though I made a calculation. So like, I think the first, I think the New Hampshire property we got for like 192,650 or something ridiculous like that. Or like, I think that was like my offer. And then we, we, I think my offer is like, you know, 182,650. And then like, we, we, I think we bought it for like 192 or something. And it was listed for like, it was listed for like 235. I think it was initially listed for like 259 and then it came down. Mm-hmm. Um, but like my gut was right. Like it was, a, it was an appreciating area. I think it's worth about 305 right now. So you have like appreciation and all the great things, you know, tax benefits, income coming in, you know, it's going to turn out to be a pretty decent one. Uh, but like I went in there and immediately I'm like, I'm getting those two fireplaces uh, refinished with veneers because I want to look like a lake house and I don't like red brick. I like red brick in urban areas, but I don't love red brick, um, you know, for this, for this place. And all of the, all the rooms were all these pastel colors. It was not a lake house. It was not cabiny. So we made it cabiny and that's where I saw a lot of value add. And like, you know, I trust my gut. I'm going to spend money on this right now. And like, you get great pictures out of it and you start getting really good rentals. So like, I think a really good lesson with that is, uh, you know, don't go overboard, but like definitely, you know, if your instinct is like trust your instinct, it's, it's, it's probably right. Um, 
but what I also learned there is to uh, to build up a great network of people um, in the area. So whether it's people delivering propane or people cleaning your place, people that plow, um, people who are, you know, just keep records of all these folks, like if you're going to self-manage. So like know who you can call if, you know, you need to call somebody immediately. Um, we did have something terrible happen there within a few months of buying it, and that's a pipe burst. Uh, and I also learned what happens when pipes burst, uh, and it's not fun. But um, we had a, a, a pipe that was exposed in kind of a soffit vent that was, it was super cold, yep. as New Hampshire gets, like in January, February. I should have known better because like I noticed we were up there for like New Year's, and I noticed that the pipe froze. And I, I kind of was like, I've never had that happen before in my life. So uh, I read up on it. Um, we had a hairdryer there. So I was able to unfreeze the pipe, um, yeah. you know, that was that had some freezing in it. And we left it on a drip, uh, which is what they say you should do, because if water is constantly dripping through it, like the ice won't freeze until you can fix it. I was planning on fixing it in the spring. Um, and I left instructions and everything for our guests. And that was when I was first starting to rent it, probably my fourth set of guests. And they turned everything off and the pipe burst and you know, water everywhere. I mean, like all the way down from the top floor to the basement, it was bad. It was like really, really bad. But like, luckily, you know, just six weekends of weekend work and we got everything dried out, fixed up, patched up. Um, I think I probably, probably cost me another 12, 1300 bucks. It was not terrible. Um, but it looked awful. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe like what, what an idiot. Like I, I knew of this problem and I just didn't know the extent of how bad it could be. So I ignored it. And that's a problem. I wouldn't do that. Um, but you know, I also learned in that endeavor that I'm not afraid to cut into drywall, meaning I don't know what's behind that wall, but like, let me cut into it and look at it because the worst thing that's going to happen is I just have to drywall it back up. So we, we isolated the pipe that was fro frozen and it happened to be in the upstairs bedroom um, in the soft vet area. Uh, and it was probably like a two foot like space that was dead space walled off behind the plumbing. And I basically just made it into a cubby. Well, we did. Rory did a lot of it. He's pretty handy too. Um, and we, we cut into the wall, um, we walled up the pipes and, and insulated them. So like, if you imagine the, uh, when you cut into the wall, you know, you, you see the studs, um, I saw the back of the, of the, of the copper pipes and everything that were there. I saw that this happened before yeah. and I was like, oh my God, like they didn't have to disclose this, but like, man, how did I miss this? Cause then you look in the bathroom and you see where they moved a pipe in inside the bathroom too. So long story short, like we noticed that this happened before. Um, and the, the, the people we bought the place from, they, they always winterized it. So they didn't really use it in the winter. So they yeah. clean, drain out the pipes. They probably, you know, leave it sitting there for a couple months and go back in the spring. Um, so we fixed it though. And we, we, we basically put, uh, we put insulation uh, between the studs. Um, we put drywall up, um, you know, in front of the insulation. And we basically created like a cubby without a door. And it's like a half, if you imagine the size of a door, it's yep. about half as big. We keep all the baby stuff in there now too. So it works out great. Like the baby gates up there, like the baby jail is what we call it. It's like the, 
the hexagon that you stick a baby in if you don't want it to move anywhere. <laughs> yeah. um, the pack and play is in there. So we use it and guests use it as well. A couple of things are in there, but you know, we basically took what was exposed to the outdoor uh, and we made an interior space. So, you know, knock wood, but it's been years and there's been no issues with the pipe freezing because um, it's now an interior space. But we learn how to fix that. Like you just kind of learn this stuff along the way. There's no book for it that yeah. covers everything. It's really interesting though, you know, just to kind of see, you know, especially like how you guys adapted, um, you know, to the situation. And obviously it is, you know, incredibly unfortunate, you know, that it happened, but also, you know, in like the much bigger picture, like you said, you know, you guys learned how to, you know, like deal with a situation like that, get it fixed. And, you know, made sure it didn't happen again by like insulating it. And, you know, now, like you said, you know, like you made like the, the cubby kind of thing to be able to slip back there if you had to and be able to access that same spot, you know? So now yeah, we can, yep. If we need to, we can cut right back in the wall and, and, you know, just cut a little panel. We know exactly what everything is there, but you know, you, you learn the energy of the house, you know, when you have to. Exactly. You know, and you can't beat it. You know, I mean, you guys learned from it and everything. And now, you know, I assume, you know, as you progress and stuff and keep getting more properties, that's going to be something, you know, that you might take into consideration, you know, maybe the next time, you know, just from that experience. Yeah. You know, stuff comes up everywhere. I mean, everything that we own, you know, our, the condo that we own in, in city point, like I have the last dose, like our, we're on the roof, like we have a flat roof. It's new. It's seven years old, but there's stuff up here and water gets in, water will find a way in. So you know, not last week, the week before I noticed some water staining. Um, and then I, and then I, I was on a call like this and I started hearing water dropping and I'm like, I gotta go. I hear water. And like, sure enough, you know, water was finding its way in literally on the wall opposite from what I'm looking at right now on the outside, because everything melted really quickly. So I just went out there. I shoveled it all away. I kind of cut into the drywall a little bit here just to let it dry out and let whatever water was there come out and I'm like, I'll go fix that later. Um, it happens. I mean, like it's, it's just any, anywhere is going to have stuff that comes up. So I think no place is perfect that it's just a hundred percent turnkey that you don't have to deal with anything. Um, yeah. it would be nice to find some turnkey properties. I mean, frankly, I know that a lot of the value add that people that, that investors bring is sweat equity, or they find a situation where it's under rented, or where they can make some immediate improvements. Um, I, you know, I, I, maybe the next place I get, I think I'd like to, to be a little more turnkey. Uh, not that the places that we don't have aren't, weren't turnkey, but you know, I, I, don't, I don't think I have it in me right now to do a complete tear down, build it back up, like just time-wise. Yeah. So since, since all this stuff that I'm, I do, to go back to, to some of your earlier questions, um, you know, I want there to be pleasure with all this and I don't want it to create additional stress and headaches um, just because my goals are different from other people's goals. Um, so I think I'm, I'm willing to kind of pay premiums for things that might be a little bit easier to manage that yeah. still make financial sense. Yep. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Definitely. Um, something, you know, obviously that's probably a bit newer and you know, that you don't really shouldn't really have to, uh, like maintain too, too much. Yeah. Or, I mean, everything requires maintenance and I'm going to want to put my touch on everything. I mean, even in Provincetown, we went in there, we painted everything. 
Uh, yeah. We just did some wall paneling last um, uh, a couple months ago. That looks fantastic. You know, I put carpet tiling down, changed all the changed all the artwork inside. Uh, brought some of my mother's artwork down there. Um, you know, so it has kind of a homey touch for people. Uh, put some photography that I took up on the walls. You know, so all the artwork in P Town is original. Um, and we, you know, we, we we put our stamp on it. We want it to look like you know, what our vision is of the place. Uh, yep. And that does require work. It absolutely does. Um, yeah. But, the, uh, but that, that's the fun part. You exactly. Know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, so this one, we kind of touched on quite a bit before as well. Uh, what do you consider to be the biggest variable to expand your portfolio or clientele? Or, I mean, I guess you could say, you know, like with the, uh, the tenants, like inquiring about properties and stuff. Or about the the rentals. Uh, what would be the biggest variable? Um, well, you know, the, what I've also learned with the short term rentals is is that the the better your reviews, the longer you do it, the more detailed you are, the more likely people will book in the future. Yep. Um, you know, so just getting started without reviews is more difficult than when you have you know over a hundred reviews or whatever we're at right now between the two properties, um, you know, super host for eight or nine turns in a row. Like that stuff really helps because people see that when they're, when they're looking at properties. Um, so I just, it's important to me to continue keeping that stuff up because I know it'll be easier to rent the future. If I stay on top of things right now, they incent me as a host to do that. Um, so I, that doesn't really answer your question, but, um, you know, yeah, it's probably, it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I mentioned it with New Hampshire. Like I, I wish I had more of what I have right now. I think that the market, I think the market is not fully saturated. Like we get a lot of people who, who are there for weddings. Yep. We're there for family vacation or who are visiting family nearby and they just don't want to like all stay in four rooms at the Holiday Inn Express. You know, they want a house. So they can get a house for, you know, the equivalent of two rooms at the Holiday Inn Express. And then they have a whole house. Yep. Um, not all the time. The summer's more expensive. <laughs> but uh, but if I if I had, you know, I haven't reached the point where I feel as though like I'm cannibalizing demand. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'd like to push that envelope a little bit more, um, which is why we're thinking about building. Um, and we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Yep. Definitely. Now, just out of curiosity, you know, kind of going back to, you know, the point you just made, um, when it comes to like starting off on Airbnb, like mm -hmm. you just kind of have to take like good pictures and stuff like that and like write good descriptions and stuff. And like just kind of wait for people to start like without having like reviews and stuff or did you have to kind well, of like advertise it yourself like you so I, I'm, I'm i'm a little hesitant advertising it myself because yeah. I, I not that i'm private yeah. but i don't know part of me would rather rent to people i don't know than to people who i do because then i feel like i could justify charging them more yeah um, and <laughs> and i want there to be a bit of a mix and i do have i do rent to friends um, I usually feel bad when I rent to friends. Uh, if they're going to rent a high demand week, I have to rent. Like, 
there's a couple weeks in Provincetown that are like big theme weeks that I can't just give it away. Like it's a, you just can't like carnival bear week, July 4th. You can't. Um, but I give, I give a good discount. Like if friends want to rent it then. And then like, if any friends come to me, like I'll definitely give them discounts. Um, if we're going to be there ourselves, I don't charge people if they're going to come with us, but not, you know, I'm, not all the people that come with us are friends that want, you know, some of them are acquaintances and, you know, hey, you want to hang out with Rory and a baby, and you know, and and we'll, ha we'll hang out for the weekend. That you want to just go away with, you know, your partner? No, all right. So I get it. So you want it yourself? I might give you, I might run it to you um, at just a good rate. But I think if you're getting started on those platforms, um, I would recommend starting at lower rates, trying to get some people to, even if they're friends, rent it. Like even if you're reimbursing them, like through Venmo or something, get them to rent it. I'm not a big fan of people renting a place and writing a review if they weren't there. Like yeah. all of our reviews are from people who've been to our place. Yep. If they're friends of ours, like the early, early ones, just to get started, if they're, if they're friends of yours, just have them rent it and then, and then reimburse them what it costs them to rent it. Like bring the rate way, way down and let them rent it. That way they can write a review. Yeah. And, and, and make sure they're there, like either be there with them or let them stay there. So it's on the up and up. So you're not like writing like a review that is, is falsifying it. Like that's just kind of lame. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's no rules against doing that. So that can kind of get you going with, um, with reviews. You could always ask, you know, if you're super communicative with people like early on that will find your place. If you could say, Hey, listen, I'm really starting to build up, you know, reviews. I wouldn't mind if you, if you write a review for us and you actually physically ask them, I think that they're more apt to do it. But the platforms themselves, they automatically send emails out. So my rule is I will write a review if someone writes one for me, or if I knew that the guest had a great experience, um, I might initiate the review because then like Airbnb, for example, will then message the guest saying, Jason left you a review. You have two weeks to leave him a review. But literally the day when you check out, like you automatically, I get a note, how do they do, write a review. And the guest gets a note also on their phone saying, write a review. Um, so like, you know, there is definitely messaging that happens by the platforms where they strongly encourage the, the reviews. Um, and that should help people when they're just getting going, um, you know, but be flexible with rates, be super descriptive with uh, the property, be honest with everything, like do not embellish anything that is not true. Um, photos, this is another do as I say, not as I do, get professional photos. Um, I took all my photos. Uh, but I do want to get some professional photos. In fact, Airbnb offered to, to get me um, free photos because I qualified for something, but I wanted to do them up in New Hampshire and they didn't service that zip code. So I have to hire a photographer um, to do it. But, you know, I, I, I did all my photos with a mixture of cameras and I have a couple overhead shots with a drone. Yeah. Um, but I've seen some bad listing photos, you know, just like you have also probably on MLS. And you're like, just go buy some photos. Like, so there's actually another service that you could, um, that you could use called box brownie that they can do some, I don't know if you've heard of them before, but they, <laughs> they, uh, they, they can do some like light retouching of photos, you know, like put in like a nice sky 
or put images on the TV screens or make everything super bright. They're basically using Photoshop, I'm, I'm assuming, and they, they turn things around overnight. Um, it's pretty inexpensive. A couple of my photos, I think the P-Town photos might have some um, box brownie retouching of them, but uh, yeah, make sure the photos are good. Make sure you're putting your best foot forward with like the lead photo that everyone's gonna see. Um, yeah. And then, and then, and then edit it. Actually, I didn't know this, this tip until, God, I, I was, uh, I found somebody in bigger pockets that was doing Airbnbs and we were chatting a little bit. And, um, one of his tips was to make it edit to your profile every so often. Uh, even if it's simply like adding a couple spaces after a period or changing a couple words around, because then it shows that you've updated your profile like recently. And I think that goes into the algorithm for, uh, for how they show properties. So I just went, I just edited my properties, I think a couple weeks ago, like I'll have to remember to do it um, on a more regular basis. Wow. That's, that's definitely pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. There's so much information out there about like tips with Airbnb. Yeah. Um, and, and I would just recommend, you know, reading up on them. Like I didn't know any of this stuff going into it. Like you just kind of like, just learned it as you do it. Um, but I've had some people ask me afterward, like some other friends that know that we're doing a lot of vacation rentals, um, you know, to help them with their profiles. I have a good friend of mine has a place down in the Cape also. And, you know, we communicated a lot when he got his, his going, um, a couple of years ago, uh, you know, I give him advice on, you know, don't use that photo, make sure you show this, make sure you explain this. And, you know, you eventually, you figure it out. The more time you put into it, the more I think that, um, a host will get out of the platform. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's really cool. And especially, you know, being able to hop on bigger pockets and stuff and, you know, mm -hmm. like talk with the other people, uh, you know, running their Airbnbs and, you know, look at the blog posts and stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, be able to get as much information as you can. What I learned though, like in, in launching uh, discussions about Airbnb on bigger pockets, which I, I've done a bunch of times. So like if anyone listening to this finds me on bigger pockets, just send me a message. Uh, or if you have questions or anything, um, I'm easy to find Jason Muth, M-U-T-H. Uh, but um, I've, I've done some discussions about short-term rentals and I do find that people are in all different markets. Like there's no one answer for every market since some people are urban, some people are rural, some are renting out by the room, some are renting out, you know, full places in cities. Um, it's just, it's very different wherever you go. So, you know, before you even do any of it, I would just read up on local laws as yep. well, because we actually had a situation next door at our place in Boston where our, uh, there's six units in our building and next door. And then one of the folks um, also on the top floor, they, uh, they moved out. Um, they were, they're real estate investors. They're, they're good guys, but like they, in, in the last year, I think that they were doing short-term rentals which is very much against the condo association documents. Um, and other people in the building were very upset about this. And I thought they were on the take actually. Like I was like, maybe he's paying them all or something to allow him to do it. But I didn't get how they were able to have these short-term rentals. He just did it. Like he did it without asking and, and did it against the rules of the association. I would not recommend that at all. But there would be times that uh, we come home, I'd be out here on the roof deck um, and like there'd be a bunch of people on the roof deck like you know 15 feet away and and they'd wave at me and they'd be like hey how you doing i'm like hey how you doing oh you guys got great views here i'm like oh where are you guys from oh we're from austin it's so pretty around here i'm like oh 
you know, nice to meet you guys. Like, <laughs> it's not my association. That's a different building. Yeah. But, you know, once we started finding out what they were doing, I was like, whoa, they got to be careful. Oh, I mean, boy. That's, <laughs> that is that is not something you should do. <laughs> no, would that technically be like a sublease? Is that like if? Uh, like- well, I think, I mean, all the condo documents are different, uh, but I believe yeah. the condo documents that were written for both our buildings, which were probably written at the same time by the same attorney, um, because of how these two properties are developed, I think, I think it, it just any rentals rentals are allowed, but I think that they were disallowed under a period of six months or something along that line. Yeah, and it was purposefully put in there to prevent from it becoming a boarding house or and short term rentals. Yeah, but you know, hey, if and Boston's different. I mean, Boston itself has some rules, but if you. I is an old uh, colleague of mine who owns um, like a, a brownstone in the back bay, back bay or South end. I think South end actually. Um, I think she owns the building. I think she lives there. So I think the rules are different for her because she actually lives in a unit in the building that she owns. Mm-hmm. But like, if, if it's a condo building of like six units, three units, whatever it is, like, I think there's certain things here in Boston you can't even do. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not looking at Airbnb in Boston. So I don't know all the rules. Mm-hmm. Guys, definitely check your uh, condo docs, you know, before you Airbnb your space. (laughs) And keep your neighbors happy. I mean, like, you know, we also, we try to rent, um, Provincetown's different. I mean, everybody rents there. Okay. So it's not out of the question to, to rent in a situation like that. But, you know, where we are in New Hampshire, like people do rent their places out, but like, it's not as common. So you know, we're cognizant of making sure our neighbors are not going to get angered by anything. Uh, and I would strongly recommend that if like, you know, someone's listening to this and you just happen to be like in a suburb somewhere and, you know, you're going to start doing short-term rentals in a community that is not used to that at all. Um, you know, you, you might, you might get a lot of people asking questions. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's huge. <laughs> wow. Um, it's a lot to learn. <laughs> moving on to our next question. Um, what is the most important lesson that you've learned over your career? Um, so I'll go like, like work, work. I think one lesson that I take to everything and I take it to, you know, when I, I coached a bunch of adult sports and stuff in Boston is like just listening to people um, and communicating with them in a style they want to be communicated with, whether they respond well to praise, they respond well to pressure, um, whether, you know, they want to be texted, called or emailed, you know, like some people won't respond to your emails, but they'll get right back to you on a text. Like, you know, it's, it's as simple as, you know, figuring out who you're dealing with, um, communicating on a level they understand, you know, we do a lot of, I do a lot of sales training with salespeople and, you know, I can't keep the, conversations too detailed about some of the digital marketing stuff that we sell because they uh, they might not get it and they'll tune out. You know, so it's like speaking at somebody at a level they understand, not speaking over them, giving them the respect that they deserve, um, treating them like you want to be treated and communicating with them in a way that they kind of respond to. And, and you'll be fine. Like all that, not everybody wants to be communicated with in the same way. Yeah. You know, like, I think that that's, and, and even something as, as little as, you know, some people hate email, so they're not going to respond to your emails and don't get upset if they don't respond to your emails, just call them or just text them. Right. That's, 
you kind of have to just adapt to that. So like if I'm, if I'm dealing with a guest um, and, I, um, and, and I, I sense that they're a texter, like they'll actually text back and, and you know, you'll look and you see the dots appear immediately when you send a text, like then I'll, I'll text with them. Like if that's how they want to be communicated with, then they could text me. Um, the same thing probably goes with tenants. Like if you have tenants, um, you know, you want to have a written record of everything. And yeah. some stuff you need a DocuSign and has to go through email, but, you know, sometimes you might get an answer quicker if you're, you know, responding to people in a way that you know they're going to see it. Mm -hmm. That's such a really big thing, too. I feel like that isn't really talked about as much, you know, but honestly, like that kind of goes for everything in general, you know, like across all businesses and stuff. I mean, people are going to prefer, you know, one form of communication over another. And if you're mm -hmm. just trying to kind of push like the same uh, um, like method on everybody, you know, it, it's not necessarily going to work. Right. right. Especially when you're dealing with people of multiple generations. Um, exactly, you know, yeah. if you're renting to folks in their 20s or 60s, you know, and we'll, um, you know, we, we try to keep everything as easy as possible. That's why I write explicit, helpful information for the houses. Yep. Um, you know, I get guests that don't understand the Nest thermostat or how it works. Uh, I've had people that, you know, they'll turn the air conditioner down to 63. And I'm like, you don't need to do that. Um, or they just don't know how it works. Like, or they'll, uh, they don't know how the TV works because they're used to having cable TV at home and we might have Hulu plus and they don't know, you know, how smart TVs are working. Like they're getting much more ubiquitous, but you know, like it, it's still foreign to some folks. Um, I had, <laughs> I had somebody once like I have an alarm system in New Hampshire that it, it's actually disabled, like, but the panel's still up there. And I think that they said that the guy's dad thought that it was the thermostat. So I don't know what he was doing to it at one in the morning, but you know, we missed a bunch of phone calls at like one, the one in the morning, like, cause the alarm was going off because they hit some sequence of things that caused, you know, a loud noise, which is connected yeah. to nothing because I yeah. disconnected it. Uh, but I had to figure out how to get that alarm to go off, you know? So uh, my next trip to New Hampshire was with my P-Touch label maker and I started labeling everything. <laughs> so I don't know if you know what a P-Touch is, yeah, but like the P-Touch, yeah, you, you know, do not touch this, literally stick it on. Yeah. And I, I did that. We, we stayed at a place once, that, once out in Hawaii that like there was, there were P-Touch instructions stuck everywhere and it was a little bit much. Um, but I, uh, I definitely have put some P-Touch labels in places that people need further information. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, you know, there can be some things that come up once in a while that mm -hmm. are, uh, are pretty interesting, you know, when it comes to... You just want to avoid the 1.30 a.m. calls. Like, they just suck. Yep. Exactly. Um, what are the most effective resources that have helped you the most so far on your journey? Uh, networking, communicating, 100%. Mm -hmm. uh, we used to love going to meetups before the baby, before the shutdown, um, like local real estate meetups. And, you know, we can't do that right now for a variety of reasons. But, you know, it's I found that since everyone's kind of working on different stuff, nobody is really looking to compete with each other and everyone seems to be super 
um, you know, interested in sharing their stories and um, and helping people, you know, if they have questions about how to do X, Y, or Z. So, you know, we let, we was like meeting people uh, like yourself and other people that we meet at like real estate meetups, like, you know, you and I connected on bigger pockets. Um, but I always find that people are usually open to that level of communication because you really never know where it's going to lead. Yeah. Um, so it's asking a lot of questions. Like I lean on Rory heavily for stuff because he is in the space full time and he's an attorney as well. Like he's licensed in mass in New Hampshire. So, and he does real estate law. So, you know, so like he, he knows, he knows it all. Um, yeah. which is partly why I never, I'm not going to get my license for being an agent or anything. I don't need to, like, he's already a broker. So like, what, what incentive do I have? Exactly. Um, <laughs> So, you know, it's, it's, it's just asking the right questions from a lot of people. It's networking. Um, you know, I'm a big, bigger pockets fan. So I listen to a lot of the podcasts or did, um, haven't listened as much lately, but like I used to listen religiously, um, you know, participate in the forums. Um, just, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of where I've learned a lot of it. And then you just learn it by doing it. Yeah. You know, you can't read, you can't read it all in the book. Yep. I forget who it was. It might've been, uh, either brandon turner or or david green um from the bigger pockets podcast but or i could be completely wrong i'm not sure but somebody somewhere said that you can't read a book on how to ride a bike because it's true you have yeah. to do it in order to in order to learn how to do it you know? yeah yeah and you, you know you got to make some mistakes along the way and learn from them you know you try not to make repeated mistakes but you know, I, I made a mistake last year where I completely forgot of, of a turnover that was happening. It happened to be a same day turnover. I'm always on the up and up. I just forgot that that was the day that new guests were coming and guests left. And it was like, you know, it was during like, you know, as we're not coming out of COVID, but it was like a few months into COVID. Uh, and I was so embarrassed. Like I learned from that. Like I, I'm now I'm super, I, I was super diligent about like, you know, people coming and going. And now I like double check all the time. And as it turned out, they turned out, you know, turned into be, you know, a little bit high maintenance of a guest. And I got my worst review um, that I got from any reviews. And it wasn't terrible. It was just like, it was deserved, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but you learn from it. So. Yeah. It, things happen, you know, we're not perfect. You know, and, then, and I learned that if you fight to get the review taken off Airbnb, they will not always do it. Oh boy. <laughs> I can imagine. Yes. I don't like being told no, but I eventually <laughs> had to give that one up. Yep. Pick your battles, right? <laughs> I, oh, I fought, I fought a lot and it didn't, didn't work out. That's okay. <laughs> yep. I've only fought two reviews and, and the other one they took off, which was like, it was just BS, but yep. this review was a little more deserved. And I was, I was just trying to get that one off too, but you know, Everything else you see on the profiles, that's that's what you get. Those are those are all legit. Yep. Hey, live and learn, right? Yes, very much so. <laughs> uh, moving on to our next question here. Um, what is something that you thought about business, networking, or wealth creation that might have changed as you went along? Um, wow. Uh, about wealth creation. Well, diversification is super important. I'll, I'll just I'll run with that. You know, we're not in one asset class. Um, my my wealth is a bunch of different. You know, it's 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 from a, a bunch of different sources. 
Uh, and, you know, you say the word wealth and you think you're, you know, rolling in billions, you know, it's nowhere near that, you know, you could have $10,000 worth of wealth. That's your wealth, right? That's your net, your net worth. Um, but, you know, I think it's important to be diversified uh, and not stick to one asset class, because if that asset class tanks, then you're screwed. Um, you know, don't put all your money into the stock market. Don't put it all into uh, only multis in a certain town. There are economies of scale to doing things like that. And I, I recommend, you know, once you get some systems scaling up that way, but I think we've kind of, I, I've diversified my asset classes really well right now, where if there's a downturn with, you know, the commercial market with the unit that we bought, then hopefully the short-term rentals could pick up there. If there's a downturn on the Cape, then maybe New Hampshire could pick up. If South Boston kind of takes a downturn, then, you know, maybe the syndicate deal that we did will will turn it turn in well, and maybe through all that the stock market ends up going up or something. Um, so you know, be diversified. I mean, don't throw all your money into a uh, game stock, GameStop stock, right? I don't know if you got yep. wrapped up into that, but I did not. I did not either. <laughs> I assure no. you, <laughs> no. But like you know, Bitcoin. Who knows what's going to happen with that? Like you know, I was just you know playing with Bitcoin for years. Every time I'd get like you know, 20, and had people would pay me in cash app for like groceries or food or anything. Like I throw 25 bucks into Bitcoin, like of whatever it was. And just over time, I kind of dollar cost averaged Bitcoin to the point that I have like five grand right now. And I think I only put a thousand into it. You know, who knows that might become 50 bucks in a couple of years. Yep. Um, it, it was, it was money that I kind of forgot about just because I would do like 25 bucks a pop, yeah. but then suddenly it started taking off recently and I noticed it. I'm like, oh, look at that. Like there's some, there's actually some cash here. Um, but that's part of the diversity. Like, frankly, I think that's, that's part of everything. I mean, even, even my, um, my 401k and my IRA, like it's diversified with a variety of different types of stocks where if one goes up or if one goes down, maybe the others go up. Yep. And then it offsets. So, yeah. yeah so, so, so with a real estate portfolio, I think it's important to be diversified. Yeah, I totally agree. There was a there was somewhere else that I heard this too. It was um, it was along the lines of diversification. I think it was like, the more diverse you get, then there's like the less. Um, I forget exactly how we phrased it, but it was like less chances of things to go wrong. Yeah, you know, because like the more opportunities you have across different different areas, you know, like you just said with the stocks and stuff. You know, if one went down, then the others could go up. Yeah. And, yeah. I'm, um, you know, eventually things are going to happen and you're a lot more insured, I guess you could say, you know, having money in different places. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, the, the account executives that I work with um, at my job, like I'd rather people have 50 billing accounts that all bill, you know, $10,000 versus two accounts that bill 250 a pop. Because yeah. if one of them goes down, when you lose one of them, then, you know, you've lost half your half your billing. Yep. So be diversified. <laughs> it's so true. Mm -hmm. Did I ask you how you define wealth? Uh, no, you didn't. Uh, I looked at that question and I was like, how am I going to answer that one? But I think that like, <laughs> I think it's pretty simple. Like, you know, I don't need to have all the toys and all the money, but if you have enough to be happy, then, you know, then that's, that's wealth for you. I mean, like everyone, I love the whole financial independent retire early. Um, uh, community. I, you know, people aren't really retiring, 
right? Like you're not going to be 30 and then just sit back in, in, you know, Boca Raton, Florida, like you're going to do something like, it's just, it might not be that job that you sit in the cubicle in, you know, for eight hours a day. And that's kind of what they, I, I, you know, I think that it's a bit of a misnomer that you're retired. Um, and every market's different. I mean, the numbers here in Boston are far different from like Asheville, North Carolina, right? You see yeah. these people retiring early and, you know, they're like, oh yeah, I hit my number of $500,000 and now I'm retired. I'm like, all right, well, what, you can live on 5% of that 25,000 a year. Like, I don't think it works that way around here, but I love the movement. I think it's fantastic. And I think that we were all, we've all been trained on working till we're 65, you know, in these pension jobs that don't exist right now. I mean, like, unless you're working for the government, civil service, first responder, that kind of thing. Um, And then retire and then, you know, live out the rest of your life on a pension and social security. Like, you know, I'll probably have social security. It'll probably be there in 20 years. 10 years ago, I didn't know if that was true, but I think it will be there. Who knows if it'll be there when you retire, right? Like, I mean, (laughs) it it probably will. They'll probably figure out a way for it to be there. But like, you know, I think that wealth means that you, you could live your life the way you want to, and you could retire when you want to, and you can live your retirement the way you want it to, you know, like it's, it's, it's not having money fears or money worries. Um, you know, granted, if I were to go just be stupid with my money and buy all these depreciating assets and brand new vehicles and take these exorbitant vacations and spend lots of money on, you know, expensive champagne and everything, like that's on me for being an idiot. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, if I could, if, if I could enjoy how I choose to live my life and how I choose to spend my money, uh, and have enough to do it and have enough to, you know, help, uh, with the bills for the family, then that's wealth. I mean, it's tough. Cause I think I've seen some people that get wrapped up in, in them not having as much as their friend, but who cares? Exactly. I don't care. You know, some, some, oh, sorry. <laughs> some of my friends, some of my friends have far more wealth and some have far less, you know, but it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter to me. Like it's, you know, it's it, it, it's on me like do i have enough to like live the life i want to live that's wealth yeah yeah i couldn't agree more you know stemming way back to you know the beginning of the interview you know just accomplishing you know getting to the point of what makes you happy you know it's going to be different for everybody you know i mean it's uh definitely not you know how it's perceived to be like to normal mm-hmm. people you know it's not like the ferraris and you know the really big mansions and everything like that you know, congratulations, but yeah, I don't care about that. Exactly. I'm the same way, you know, it doesn't take much to make me happy, you know? Yep. Yep. I agree. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more, Jason. That's, that's awesome. Well, good. Well, you're on the right path. then. I I appreciate that. (laughs) Um, we did that one already. Uh, what is a common myth about building a portfolio that you want to debunk? Or, you know, having like a short-term rental or it's up to you. <laughs> a common myth. Um, I don't think I had the experience to answer that. Like, I don't think that I have, you know, done enough of it, like from what other investors have done, like building portfolios up yep. uh, that they could then say, don't do this or that. I just kind of know my, my experience here. So I'll... I'll, I'll cheerfully pass. I have another one I'm going to have to pass on too. I was looking at your interview questions, but uh, I don't think I, I don't have the qualifications for that. 
for that. No, question. that's okay. I, I completely understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the last one is, do you read? So I know how to read <laughs> as a human. Um, you know, I, I've, I've done a lot of reading in my life. Um, you know, like reading was huge growing up um, in my secondary school, high school, like I went to a private school in Westchester. It was all about reading. Um, I studied at Brown for four years and I did a ton of reading there. Um, but right now, if I listen to anything, it's an audiobook. Um, I don't really read that much. I did buy, you know what? It's interesting because I, I have a ton of books right here where the microphone is propped up on. Like the one literally right here is funk and soul covers, you know, of like 70s and 80s funk music uh, and just the covers that were on there. I haven't read the whole thing, but it was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I did read the zombie survival guide because I'm convinced that zombies are going to hit us at some point, but I don't, I don't read that much. I mean, I, I know a lot of real estate folks read, um, you know, rich dad, poor dad and all the Brandon Turner books and everything. I, I think I've listened to most of them, but I listened to them a while ago that I probably don't exactly remember everything from them. Yeah. Um, most of what I listen to right now are books about like, they're like pro wrestling biographies and stuff, you know, stupid stuff that's not related to real estate. <laughs> uh, but I do like, actually, I do like, um, uh, I, 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 I do like, like current affairs type books. Um, like if I were to look up my, audible right now like i'm going to go into it and see like what what's in here yeah uh, just to give you an answer um the most recent book i listened to was about uh the history of super mario <laughs> uh there's a book in here called who not how which i think i want to listen to um which i forget what it's about but somebody told me to listen to it so it it's gonna start playing if i hit that so forget that one <laughs> um yeah i mean i don't have anything in here that i think is 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 good for like real estate use. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in the past that are probably the same books. I listen to Liz Fair's um, biography. She's a rock star from the nineties. Uh, I don't know. Oh, Ronan Farrow's book, Catch and Kill. I listened to that. Um, Mo Rocca, Mobituaries. You know, so comedy is pretty good too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So nothing, nothing like, I listened to Pete Buttigieg's book like back when he was running for president. Um, I think I watch a little bit too much politics on TV. So I, I did download a bunch of those books, but yeah, nothing like, you know, revolutionary in the real estate world. Um, I just don't want to get crippled by just reading and reading and reading and not doing anything. Yeah. That's really important too, though. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to fall into the, the state of, you know, just reading and, and absorbing and everything and not necessarily taking action. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, if there's one piece of advice, it's, you know, just get the first deal under your belt, you know, just do something. Yeah. Right. And then, and then, you know, the other ones will follow along afterward. That's, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> but um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on here with me, Jason. Uh, you know, I was very, very excited to have you on and, you know, to kind of hear your story and it, uh, it, it really was a pleasure. Um, cool. Where can yeah. you be found on uh, like social media and stuff? Or I don't know how, uh, if I can. I don't, oh, sorry. I don't no, know if ahead. I can shout out like your Airbnb somehow. I don't know how that works. <laughs> so yeah, no, I mean, I, you could find me on Bigger Pockets. So it's yep. um, you know, my name is Jason and it's spelled M U T H. It's like Ruth with an M. 
Yep. Um, I am on LinkedIn, pretty easy to find there. Um, there's a real estate guy out, director of digital sales, Jason Muth. Um, you can, um, you know, you could find uh, Rory's uh, real estate brokerage. I'm in charge of the marketing for that as well. So yep. you could find him at Next Home Title Town Real Estate, um, which is the Instagram handle. It's the dot com. Um, if you Google Next Home Title Town or Next Home Boston, we're probably the first listing. So you could probably find him easily. Um, I have an email address there if you want to email me there as well. It's Jason at Next Home Title Town dot com. Um, sure. The name came from when Boston used to win lots of sports, uh, sporting events back when the Pats had a good run and the Celtics and Bruins, but you know, people have fallen on hard times here lately. Hopefully we'll be back. Um, so I would say those are probably the best places to, to find me. Um, you know, I respond to, Oh, I'm on Instagram also. Um, I think it's just Jason Muth. Yeah. No underscore. I'm on Twitter, but I just read Twitter. I don't really tweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jason Muth is my name on Instagram. So, um, so yeah. So if you listen to this and you have questions or information or you want to work with Rory or have a legal question or anything, I got forward them over to him. Um, you know, check out my Instagram page, check out Next Home Title Towns, uh, connect with me on Bigger Pockets. We also have a networking group that uh, we, we, we took over from one of your other guests, um, Avery Heilbronn, who was on your podcast. Uh, yep. He, um, he started a great group called Net, um, Network to Grow Your Net Worth. Uh, we went to a bunch of events last year, and then the meetup group, um, the leadership had to step down for a couple of reasons. So uh, we were in touch with Avery and, and um, jumped in there to help out with the organization of the group. Um, and I launched a Facebook group for the same thing. So you could Google Network to Grow Your Net Worth. Uh, you could join us. Uh, we're not doing any virtual events because everyone's sick of them. Um, and there's other networking groups here in Boston that do a good job of that already. But our intention is to do some in-person networking uh, when it's safe. Uh, so probably not anytime soon, hopefully late <laughs> summer. Um, but we'll, again, we'll see. Like there's no need to rush for that with COVID um, you know, still out there. So uh, join us on the Network to Grow Your Net Worth Facebook page and um, you know, jump in there, jump in the conversations. Definitely. I'll have to add you on all of those, <laughs> but um, yeah, again, thank you so much, Jason. You know, this, this meant a lot to me. Uh, you know, this was a, a really, really good episode and um, yeah, we'll definitely talk soon. Thank you, Kyle. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, that concludes our creating wealth podcast episode for today. I want to thank every single person that has listened this far. It really means a lot to know that people can learn from me and with me as we build wealth together. Hopefully you can take home at least one thing from this podcast that will improve your life just a little bit. If you could, please check me out on social. That's at Kyle Curtin Real Estate on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm on Bigger Pockets. Until next time, let's build together.